The restoring of a wayward heart begins by recognizing and then giving back to God things that belong to Him. Today's Moody Presents starts now. The enemy tries to get us off track by things that seem good, but really deep down inside are just a trap to take us away from the good things of God. Welcome to Moody Presents with Mark Job, president of Moody Bible Institute and senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm John Geiger, and today we pick up where we left off last time in our timeline leading up to Nehemiah's entrance into Bible history. It's interesting how God put a stirring in his heart to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And the first step, offering back to God that which once was his. And that's where we start today in part two of Restoring the Wayward Heart. By the way, if you missed the first part of our message, you'll find it at moodypresents.org. We're in Ezra chapter three, and we'd encourage you, if you can, to grab a Bible and join us right there, Ezra chapter three. Here's Pastor Mark with today's Moody Presents. I want you to imagine the scenario. There were some older men among them that had been to the original Jerusalem. They had seen the temple in all of its splendor. So there's the young and they're old. They gather, they come to the city, they enter through the gates. Now the young people had heard about Jerusalem. Some of them had never been there before. Most of them were born in exile. And they heard about this city, the city of God. They heard about this magnificent temple that David ushered in and Solomon had built. They heard about the days of old and the splendor and the Shekinah glory. They heard about how one day they were feared throughout all the nations. They heard how the favor of God rested upon Jerusalem and their enemies were slaughtered before them. They heard about the commandments and the, 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 the history and the tradition that they had. They heard about how one day this was a place that the favor of God and the face of God shone upon Jerusalem over all of the earth, and now they were finally there. As they walked in the walls of that city, what they saw was a city in ruins. The embers of fires long extinguished can be seen. There is no temple. There is no gold. There's an old foundation in rubble. You see, some of you look back at your life that once was on fire for God, and how did it stop being on fire? How did it break down? Let me tell you how it happened, because you took things back to yourself that once you had given to God. You see, you took it back to yourself, and you started losing the fire and the passion and the heart. You started losing the centrality of God in your life, and God says, okay, Now I want it back. And the very first step after God stirs your heart is to take those very things that you've taken control of and put it on the altar of sacrifice and say, God, I give it back to you. It's not mine, God. It's yours. I restore it to its proper place. I give a sacrifice to you. Now, can I tell you something about sacrifice? Sacrifice is hard. Hey, it wouldn't be called a sacrifice if it was easy. A sacrifice is difficult. It's something that you really want to keep. It's something that you really want to hang on to, but you say, no, I'm giving it back to you, God. You see, you're never going to start restoration until you start giving things back to God. Some of you have taken things back from God that you laid at his feet a long time ago. 
You know, your, your fire has gone, your zeal has gone. You've lost your first love in that sense of the presence of God because you, things that you gave to God, you've taken back, and God is saying, I want it back. Offer it to me. Give it to me. Take your hands off of it and say, this is yours, God. It's hard for me to give up, but I give it to you, God. I give you the control of my marriage and my kids and my destiny, my future, my priorities. God, I give it over to you. I want to take it. I want to have my hands on it, but I give it to you. It's yours. You're the owner. You have it. I take my hands off of it. My life belongs to you. That's, this, that's where renewal starts. They went to the altar of sacrifice, and they offered up a little sacrifice on that altar. Now, Romans chapter 12 says that our bodies need to be a living sacrifice unto God, so we offer ourselves up unto God. Number three, I'm talking about how to restore a wayward heart. Number three, I want you to read and see what it says in verse 10. So they offer that altar upon the foundation of the temple, and then it says in verse 10, and when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, finally they lay the foundation. Before you're ever going to build something solid and strong, you have to lay a foundation. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with their cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, the king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love to Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundations of the house of the Lord were laid. But notice verse 12. But many of the older priests and Levites and the family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of the temple being laid while others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard from far off. You see what's happening here? I want you to get this picture. They lay the foundation. And the young people that have never seen anything but this, they're shouting for joy. Yay! We got the foundation. Hurrah! Whoa! The foundation is laid. But the older priests, that they've seen the glory of the formal temple. They look at the foundation and they think of the temple that was there. And they begin to weep. They had to be over 70 years old. They had seen the temple in its former glory, and so the older priests are sobbing and weeping, wailing before God, and the young ones are celebrating, and the mix all comes together, so there's this big noise and ruckus, but some are crying and some are celebrating. You say, why? You see, in your life, it's the same thing. You see, if you've ever come back to God, there's a sense of mixed feelings there. There's the feeling of, yes, I have a new start. Yes, I can start all over. This is a new beginning. Yes, God is good. Yes, God forgives me. Yes, my future is in the hands of God. I can go in a new direction. But there's another part of you that weeps and wails over what could have been. Because some of you have wasted five, six, seven, ten years, and you look back and you think, 
What a devastation I've made. What a fool I've been. I've made wrong decisions. I've lived away from God. And look at, look at what it's done to my testimony. Look at what it's done to my life. And you look over the past and some of you are reaping the consequences of living away from God. And there's a part of you that celebrates, but there's a part of you that's broken and weeping and sorry for what's happened over your past. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's a brokenness inside over God. Look at the wasted time. Look at the things that I've done. This temple could be so much more glorious. And so there's that sense of brokenness and that sense of joy all mixed in together. And listen, if you're coming back to God, let me say, if you have those feelings, it's normal. If there's a part of you saying, I've wasted so many years, I've done, made so many mistakes, this temple could be so much, I should be much further down the road than I am. Some of you look at your Christian life and say, you know what, I'm struggling with things that I should have, I should have dealt with eight years ago. And now I'm 10 years old in God and I'm still dealing with these basic things that I should have dealt with a long time ago because I fell away from God or let my heart go away from God. And now this temple that should be strong and glorious, I'm rebuilding it. Can I give you some encouragement this morning? Here's my word of encouragement. Even though you feel like those years have been wasted and they have been to a certain extent, God is good. And God, the God, the God that I serve, the God of the Bible, he's even able to take the years of your prodigal wanderings and the blunders and mistakes that you've made, and with his sovereignty, he's able to take that messed up decisions and those messed up uh, uh, years that you have spent, and God is able to squeeze good out of them for your future. That's the kind of God that we serve. Even though you say nothing good can come out of these years of being a prodigal, the sovereignty of God can take even the bad and turn it into good. Amen? Now, some of you are even now still reaping some of the seeds that you sowed during your years of prodigal, and you wish you had never gone down that road, but you're smarter, you're wiser, and you know what? Some of you know the grace of God much deeper now than you knew before because it's God's grace that has brought you back. It's God's grace that has taught you that even in your failure, He is good, that even when you've blown it, He hasn't given up on you, and so now you come to the new temple with a sense of humility that you never had before. With a sense of God, you are good, and I know it a lot deeper than before. Because some of us, when we come to Christ in the, in the first years of our life, we're kind of proud, right? Some of us come to Christ and we think, we'll never fall away. We kind of got that little Peter syndrome. I'll never leave you, Lord. <laughs> then we're the first to run when tribulation comes. And some of us, when we came to Christ, we were downright proud. We saw someone else fall away. We said, how could they fall away? They're just not saved. I don't think they're even believers. I would never leave you, God. But now that you've been down the road of prodigal, now you're humbler, aren't you? Now you say, but for God's grace, I know that my heart would leave you if I'm not careful, God. It's your grace and not what I do. God, I know that my heart can easily go astray. Oh, God, keep me on the path. Lord, I need you every day because without you one day, I could so easily fall astray. Jesus, help me. You approach the second temple a lot more humbly.
a lot more dependent on the grace of God. This is Moody Presents, and that's our teacher, Pastor Mark Job. We're in week two of a new series titled Rebuild Your Life, Your City, Your World. And we're learning what a renewed heart looks like and the steps needed to get there. There's a wealth of practical wisdom for the Christian life coming up in the story of Nehemiah, and I hope you can stay with us and follow along in the days and weeks to come. Now, if you do happen to miss our broadcast, no worries. You can always listen at your convenience at the website moodypresents.org. Moodypresents.org. All of our past programs are available anytime, anywhere, on demand at moodypresents.org. You know, in any rebuilding effort, there's going to be discouragement, there's going to be setbacks, and then there's the temptation to compromise. Pastor Mark Job walks us through this next in Ezra chapter 4 on Moody Presents. The fourth thing I want you to see in the heart that needs restoration is I want you to see that as soon as you determine to lay the foundation and put God in the place that He deserves, I can guarantee you that you will be tempted to compromise. Notice what happens in chapter 4. They start rebuilding Look what it says in chapter 4, verse 1. When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families and said, let's help you build because like you, we, we seek your God and have been sacrificing to him. Now, who were they? The enemies. The enemies are coming to Zerubbabel who's building the temple and say, let us help you. I want you to hear me very well. This is huge. The moment that you start putting your life in order, expect that temptation and compromise will be knocking at your door. Some of you decided, some of you are young men, you say, I'm going to walk in purity. I've I've fallen before. I've been involved in lust and bad relationships. But now, God, I'm 100%. Hey, about the time you make that decision, don't be surprised that in two days you get a phone call from that ex-girlfriend that you haven't seen in a year. Hi, I'm back in town. (laughs) And so you can say, well, you know, hey, things are different now. You see, I'm I'm a believer. I've given my life to God. I really want to live for God. Oh, how incidental. Me too. (laughs) I'll go to church with you, and then we can hang out together. You see, the moment you determine to live for God, I can guarantee compromise will be knocking at your door. The moment you determine to live for God and put the priority of God in the center, the moment you start rebuilding the temple of God, don't be surprised that compromise is going to try to the friendly face of compromise. This isn't the blatant attack of discouragement. This is the friendly face of compromise that wants to get you off guard. These people were enemies of what God was doing, yet they smiled and said, let us help you, Bill. 
You see, the moment you determine, okay, I haven't been involved in the church like I should. I haven't been setting aside Sundays to worship, and I'm serious now. Nothing's going to detract me. I'm going to be there. I'm going to help in Sunday school. I'm going to worship. I'm going to get into the Word of God. I'm not going to miss the next uh, Sunday in the next six months. Hey, just expect that about that time, you know that promotion that you've been looking for for a while? Expect the boss to call you up and say, hey, you know what? We selected you for that promotion. Here's the only catch. You have to work Sundays for the next four months. Just expect that by the time you decide to go forward in God, that compromise, the friendly face that lures you in, shakes your hand, and steals your wallet, the friendly face will be at your door because the enemy tries to get us off track by things that seem good but really deep down inside are just a trap to take us away from the good things of God. I mean, you know that. Okay, now when that doesn't work, because the people of Israel said, no, we're not going to let you help in building the temple. We see right through you. By the way, these were the Samaritans later on. We would hear about them in Samaria. They were half Jews and, 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 and half mixture of the races, and they mixed the worship of God with the worship of other gods. That's called syncretism. And they were always a half-compromising people called the Samaritans. And so later on, because that didn't work, look what it says in verse 4. Then the people around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. They hired lawyers. Oh, there we go, the lawyers. To work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So... When you determine to put God at the center, if the friendly compromise doesn't work, then expect the blatant opposition to your following God. They tried to make them fearful of following God, and they tried to discourage them following God. Some of you don't understand this. The moment you decide to really, really live for God, hey, expect opposition. Do you realize that sometimes it'll be the members of your own family that'll come against you? It may be your friends that they're going to tell you, I liked you better the way you were before. I got all that Jesus religious stuff. You're not even any fun anymore. It may be a husband, a wife, a mother, a father. It may be a best friend that you grew up with that now same way. You're into this Jesus stuff? What's up with you? Oh, now you're better, Holy Joe? <laughs> Come on. Some of you have been there. Some of you thought that you were going to follow God and everybody was going to be just happy. You're going to go home and say, guess what, Mom? I received Jesus Lord and Savior. Now I'm so happy and fulfilled. And you thought that your family was going to say, great, son. We've been so happy for you. And they say, what? <laughs> and some of you are getting opposition. And you're getting opposition from coworkers. And from people at your school and friends and neighbors and you're getting full of fear and you're getting opposed and you're getting discouraged about following God because you cannot be an authentic follower of Jesus and put Jesus at the core without someone getting upset about it. So get used to it. You say, well, Pastor, I thought, you know, I was going to accept Jesus, and Jesus was going to be on my side. Everybody was going to be happy. I thought the bed of roses was going to be clear, and it was going to be a nice path. Wrong. If you're going to follow Jesus, there will be people that will oppose you, period. 
In fact, my eight-year-old son came to me the other day. He was reading his Bible in the morning, and he said, Dad, I don't understand what this is saying. There's a passage in the Bible that says, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. The members of your own family will be your enemies, and sons will be against daughters, and daughters against sons, and father-in-laws against mother-in-laws, and, and so forth. He says, Dad, what does that mean? That's hard to understand, isn't it? I said, son, here's the thing. When you follow Jesus, not everybody's going to be happy. And some people will literally oppose you following Christ. So you better make sure that he is number one in your life because if he's not number one, whatever's number one will replace God in your life. Is he number one? How number one is he? What if you had to lose your job? What if you had to lose that friend? What if you had to give up your boyfriend? What if you had to say bye to your girlfriend? I mean, are you really willing? Because Jesus will not take second, third, fourth place. He says, unless a man is willing to give up everything to follow me, it says in Luke chapter 14, he cannot be my disciple. That's, the count, that's what God is calling us to. Are you willing to put me at the center of your life? That's what he's saying. It's a strong call of renewal and restoration. And let me end with this. The last thing is that sometimes renewal will stop. You know, finally, because of their opposition, the renewal stopped. In fact, it stopped for 16 years. They weren't building the temple. And in, in, in Ezra chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Finally, now Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet descendants of Ido prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God of Israel who was over them and then Zerubbabel the son of Shiltiel and Jeshua the son of Zodak set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem and the prophets of God were with them helping them you see sometimes because of opposition our renewal starts and God has to bring a prophetic word his word for us at this moment to restart our renewal if you are stopped and stuck, maybe you need to ask yourself, what has God spoken to my heart and have I listened to him? Well, let me say that again. If you're stuck right now in your spiritual life, let me ask this question. What is the last word that God spoke to you and did you listen to that word and have you obeyed that word? I know that God loves you. Oh, he loves you more than you could fathom or imagine. I know that God knows your heart and has known your story since before you were ever born, that you were precious in the sight of God. You see, I know that God has tracked your life since the day you were born until now. I know that every tragedy that's happened to your life, that God was there, not always happy, sometimes grieving and weeping in the midst of it, but I know that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And if you're distant from God, I know that's not God's purpose and his plan. I know that he desires fellowship with you. I know that he loves you so much that the very son, his only begotten son, the blood that was precious, he was willing to shed it on your behalf. I know that God loves you enough to send his spirit to reach out to you. I know that if you're not walking in renewal, you're not happy right now. 
I know that if you're distant from God right now, there's something inside of you saying, this is not what I'm called to be. There's something missing, something empty, something not right. I know that if you're not walking in fellowship with God, there is something inside that's telling you this is broken and needs to be fixed. And here's what I know, that it all starts by getting things right with God and coming to God and saying, I come to the altar of sacrifice and I give back to you all the things that I've taken. Renew me, God. Restore the glory of this temple. I don't want to be in ruins, God. Restore the glory of this temple and fill it with your Shekinah glory, God. Restore my heart with your presence and your power, Father. Oh, Father, I don't want my life to be in ruins anymore. I want you to rebuild and restore that people will look at my life and see Jesus in it, Father. Do that kind of work in my life. Amen. Amen. That's Pastor Mark Job, and this is Moody Presents. We're looking forward to picking up with our series, Rebuild, next week, when we'll begin to explore what to do when God moves into a person's heart to deal with old problems. Spoiler alert, it's called owning the ruins. And here's the thing. We can become immune to problem areas in our lives, but we can't move forward with rebuilding unless we own and deal with them. That's all ahead next time we're together. Hope you'll join us then. And in the meantime, check out the many resources that we offer you at moodypresents.org. You can listen to any of our past programs right there at moodypresents.org. And you can also help us in a very tangible way by joining our team of Moody Presents partners. It's easy when you go online to moodypresents.org. That's moodypresents.org. And remember, with your Moody Presents partnership of $30 a month or more, you get that 50% discount from Moody Publishers. Yeah, we send you this code and it works beautifully every time, as often as you like. Half off every devotional, every Bible study, every kid's book at the Moody Publishers website. Sign up now at moodypresents.org. Thanks for joining the team. You know, it is our hope and prayer that what you're hearing truly is encouraging you, equipping you to live out your faith in a God-honoring way. I'm John Geiger, and on behalf of Dr. Mark Job, thank you for listening to Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, and a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.